Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Rebecca Abraham, Stephanie Hitt, Jeannie Ives, and Kitty Kurt. Our program tonight comes to you from our own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo at D-U-M-O. Of course, you can join us on the World Wide Web on our website, beyondthebeltway.com, and also we are live on Facebook. Go to the Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont Facebook page. It has a picture of uh, all of our guests this evening, and uh, that's where you can go and listen to the program and also react to the program. We're getting a lot of reaction to the program uh, directly from Facebook. So we're, we're live a lot of places, of course, on America's great uh, talk radio stations and Sirius XM satellite radio as well. Another full two hours. We have lots to talk about. Um, we've got two guests here. Uh, both went to the University of Virginia, and uh, big things are happening in Virginia. So I want to get. We're going to talk about the, uh, the governor of Virginia and sort of what's happening. Uh, because at the beginning of the week, it looked like uh, uh, Ralph Northam, the Democratic governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, had basically brought the issue of uh, abortion to, to the forefront. Uh, because of some legislation that he was promoting in the state. And then all of a sudden, a lot hit the fan. And then later in the week, uh, it is the controversy over his yearbook and calls from Democrats all over the country uh, for him to step down and step aside because of the, 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 the racist photo of, of someone in blackface and someone in a Ku Klux Klan outfit uh, that ends up on the, on the page, uh, on his yearbook page, uh, of his law, of his dental school, or law school, or I'm med sorry, school. Med, 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 school. medical yeah. school, medical school. I'm sorry. So let's start by with you, Stephanie. You hit. Uh, you went there. Uh, yeah. What is your reaction to the controversy and just basically the trials and tribulations of Ralph Northam through the week? Well, it's very interesting because um, some of the loudest opponents, some of the people mm. crying crying for his ignition happened to be, you know, members of his own party, which is very interesting. So we're going, I think we're going to, um, what we're seeing is that deep down, when we peel back the layers, we're going to see that a lot of this is the confluence of his very extreme position on abortion and how that, that was almost an embarrassment in a way. And then this, this revelation of this photograph as a means to somehow maybe, you know, obfuscate or obscure the you know his extreme positions so it'll be I, interesting to see if there's some operatives at work and who did the well, revealing well we have, a, right, we have an operative yeah. not you're not an operative in this campaign no it but. was um it was a right-wing website that's who did the revealing <clears throat> of the photo i can't remember the name of it it wasn't no. big league Info politics Wars, is the name of it it's called big league politics big league politics thank you yeah they did the reveal of it and i think the timing was in fact deliberate you know after the after what of course it was deliberate in that we already know that because it's been reported on the the author yeah. of the uh, of the article that was then picked up by everybody else flat out said a concerned citizen following his comments on infanticide 
it tipped him off to this photo in that yearbook. So, I mean, this is all revealed. There's no mystery yeah, here. We know exactly. why this happened. Yeah. Somebody, it, you know, was very concerned about his comments on infanticide. Now, unfortunately, uh, the problem here is that everybody's now talking about his, his obviously racist uh, positions, yeah. and, inst- and, and now it's dwarfed what his more inflammatory comments that I think should be more inflammatory, quite frankly, yeah, I don't is think infanticide, because you're talking about, a, you know, uh, something for which he's going to try <clears throat> to explain away. Kind of <clears throat> in current <throat> times, there's nobody that can explain away infanticide. I, I think That's it had the, the genesis yeah, of all and I think of it this, had the opposite to set effect. the stage. I think it had the opposite effect, like Jeannie's saying, of what the operative intended to have it. It's... um. It is a, I think that Tim Kaine and Mark Warner are absolutely right to call for him to step down. Having said that, I will say, and I don't know if Stephanie's going to agree with me or not, going to school in Virginia during those years, while I was disappointed to see the photo, I was not at all shocked to see the photo. There is no doubt that Virginia, even to some element today, is is still very much a southern state. It is the home of Robert E. Lee. And as as blue as it looks sometimes on the map and so on, um, there and is there is a very much southern pride element. And I want to get I want to get I want to get Rebecca Abraham's response and then we're going to come back. Go ahead. I think he has to resign. I think it's inexcusable <clears> even <throat> though it was 30 years ago. It was still inexcusable 30 years ago. That being said, I want to end it. and to that. I think other people who make racist remarks um, should also resign. Yeah. If right. he should resign then certainly Steve King should have should resigned resign months as well. ago. Yeah. Because Steve King is racist now. Right. It's not anything. <laughs> Steve King was 30 years ago, too. You can't be too, racist 30 years but, ago, and you, you can't know, be racist but, today. But what about the now? Jeannie, go ahead. Oh, my goodness. Jeannie. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is all talk that <clears throat> people are just trying to... Uh, imp- imp- I guess impart their own sort of uh, super morality on everybody else, okay, on, on what they think is racist or not racist or, or in their heart or not in their heart or judge them. Look, for, for, in my opinion, this is something for Virginia to decide whether or not he resigns or not. Do I think that he is capable of governing at this point? I think that's the biggest decision. Can he govern? Can he not govern? Do they, will they hold him, um, it, it, you know, does he have any legitimacy left? Personally, I don't think so. I think he's lost that 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 moral standard to some degree that you look for in a leader that you would you would be able to have confidence I, in him. I think yeah. because it's uh, he's probably can't govern is a reason that the Democrats could should ask for him to resign. I, com- I don't think that you know we've got we've got to be careful for the witch hunts. Mm-hmm. As much, and, and I am offended as all get out about this thing, and I am, um, and I think that. You know, but I, I think that what we're doing right now is also diminishing his worst comments on infanticide, right. which and is I outrageous. Think Jeannie's point is especially, and sort of what we're saying is that this is really, um, you know, the smoke and mirrors of getting us to look away from really what I think is probably the most horrific things that he's said. But I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question of our, of our Democrats. Mm-hmm. I want to ask her a question. Before. Uh, it all hit the fan insofar as uh, the racist photographs from the yearbook. Before that, when the big issue that, that, that Ralph Northam was known earlier in the week for the reasons I've just stated, my question to you as, a Demo- as Democrats, 
was his position has had his position gone so far even though you may be supportive of of uh, you know pro choice did it go so far that it made the issue difficult for democrats to deal with including a good friend of yours like joe biden who may or may not run for president let me answer i had never heard about his remarks on infanticide until tonight that had never let, let me finish the the media that i listen to npr of cnn and MSNBC. Yeah. Yeah. that's exactly right Jeannie, could you please let me finish oh. i am informing you that the issue of infanticide was in a small segment of the media. The Tribune didn't talk about it. The Sun-Times didn't talk about it. NPR didn't talk about it. CNN didn't talk about it. MSNBC didn't talk about it. Well, that's, first, that's can a, I that finish, is, Bruce? No, 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 we no, no, we've got to go to a break. Good, Back short. Yeah. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records. For breaking them, leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce Dumont, we are back, and uh, we've got a real Donnybrook going on here. Uh, and, and we're going to go back, be- before we get into a further explanation that, that Kitty Kurth had not heard of the issue of, of, of Governor Northrum. And neither had Rebecca. I had and not, not heard of it. Wow. So our yeah. two Just, Democratic yeah. liberals had not even heard of this issue, <laughs> which was, based, based on my watching of some network news, not mm-hmm. all, watching of some network newscasts, this was a story. It was a story, which I made the point is, you know, he was known for one thing for three days, and now he's known for something else, and he's being forced to resign because of the second thing, when a lot of people would have liked to have him forced to resign because of the first thing he did. But 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 Ben Sass, Ben Sass said he should resign over his comments on infanticide. This is morally repugnant. Ben Sass came out full flavor. Full on, yes. Court of press on this, not about the racist stuff. This was about infanticide yes, and his comments right. concerning but, that. But I want to go back. We, we have not heard so, from Rebecca Abraham because you had not heard of I what the governor didn't had hear said it. either. I Googled it, right? So now. here's, I guess here's a question. All the sources but, 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 on going back. Go ahead. It's not about it's, the governor of Virginia. I thought Tom Perello should have won the primary, and <laughs> my, my left people okay. did not support this centrist. He has a history of doing questionable, dog-whistly things. Um, it upsets me when the centrist pushed forth the centrist to try and get maybe not some not so great people to vote for him. But and his position, we all but, saw this but his, coming. But his position, his position was not centered. So let's get to what Governor Northrum said. I want to get your reaction. So, You're a nurse. I yes. want to get your reaction to what he said which got a lot of people very, very upset. So I just read the quote. I'm a critical care nurse. I've done CPR on lots and lots of people. 
I, my husband's a physician. Um, I've been in the field for 10 years. And when we do life-saving measures, and I think this is what people at home don't know you until you see it yourself, experience it from a family member, we know what we see from TV. And that's when we do CPR and life-saving measures on people. They pop right back, and they're great. That does not happen in real life. In real life, we are actually physically torturing people. We are doing CPR on people who will never recover. We know that based on the data we have now. Science is always changing. That could always change. However, the data we have, which is very strong now, shows that if there's a certain amount of brain death, that a person will not recover. And that opposed to traumatizing, painful, expensive, life-saving measures, we should instead make them comfortable by using morphine and Valium and letting them go peacefully with their family, holding their hand instead of whisking them off to a surgery that's futile. So that's where my point of view is. I've lobbied for uh, more money to be put towards end-of-life care that's comfortable. And that was the position that you, when you read what the, the governor said, so when that's I the way read, you viewed it? Here, and I've been pregnant, and I, I've had very difficult pregnancies with, <clears throat> you know, not good results where things could have gone very hairy. Um, I think what he was trying to say that no woman, no woman, it's a lie that any woman would go through a pregnancy and terminate in the third trimester. The only time a child is then delivered, there is not really such a thing as third trimester pregnant, like third trimester abortions. A, if a woman's life is in danger from peripartal heart failure or some other life-threatening condition where the infant is also very sick and will not survive, the infant is then born, um, the woman's forced to deliver via Pitocin, and then the woman's life is saved. But then the question is, what do we do with this child that may survive but ha may have I severe life-altering complications? There are some babies that are born that are not predicted to survive the day, okay. the week. I want to get well, back then you take it to the limit of life, and you let God decide. So, you you do, don't so you're advocating for CPR and chest tubes I and brain surgeries that, that are painful. Rebecca, Rebecca it's Janie's turn. Okay. It's Janie's right. turn. It's that, Janie, go ahead. Look, his comments, first of all, on the, are on the heels of a bill that literally said that <clears> you can <throat> kill the baby during delivery. That's what trans, Representative Trans or Assemblywoman Trans from Virginia, she rewrote their bill on abortion to say Who that even about? during delivery, you get up to speed on that, but even during delivery, you can go ahead and have an abortive um, uh, abortion occur during delivery. That she was specifically asked, does that mean if you're already dilated and you're going into right. delivery? Yes, you can still this abort at that point. This is an example of a legislator then that does not know anything she's, about medicine. Okay, yeah, but Northam, that, but Northam, Northam said it was fine. One at a time. Northam was fine with that. He was right. fine with that and then went on to go <clears> and <throat> say, you know, his additional remarks that, um, it would be the infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired, and then a discussion would, would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Well, what does that mean? But I think what so he left making, out is the mother could choose between resuscitation and life-saving measures or for care that would provide a peaceful and comfortable death. He says that death. they would be resuscitated, and then a discussion would occur. So I mean, what is he, what's he's so arguing for? At I'm that assuming point, he's saying the baby I, would be. Here's I don't, my, I, I'm assuming he's saying. Here's, here's a question. Here's a question. I want to go back. I, I want to. I want to bring words. it back to a political discussion, and I'm going to ask everybody. I'll ask Kitty first. Do you want the, the discussion that we're having right now? 
do you want that discussion and the, and the specifics of this proposed legislation in Virginia, do you want that to be part of the 2020 presidential primary campaign to select a Democrat who then is going to take on, in all likelihood, Donald Trump? Is, is this part of the top three no, issues I think that you very, want discussed? No, I think the top three issues that we should discuss are jobs, economy, environment, safety, all of the discussions that we've been having. I think one tiny piece of legislation in one out of 50 states probably shouldn't be the center point of our national discussion. So I think health care should be the center Why were so many announced candidates for president on the Democrat? They were all running away from the... One of the things you didn't see because you, you just heard the story, uh, they had a number of the presidential candidates basically it, refusing to even weigh in on what Gover Governor Northam had recommended. They didn't want any part Again, of this. Again, where did they have this? This was not right. on CNN. It was on Fox News. was the only it, place no, that this how, was shown. How, how, I how just can, Googled it, it and was, it said it, Fox not, News, oh. Daily Caller, Drudge, um, go to Drudge, it's, Drudge, uh, yeah, it's it. all the right so wing media. Let's, There's let's, nothing on mainstream media Vox, about it. Vox, yeah. and I I think Vox that's is what bigger. came up with let's me. Vox, that's yes. not right wing. Uh, okay. Stephanie, well, Stephanie, Stephanie. I want to correct you. Said one Actually, he's not the only one. Right. This is also an issue in New, New York, York right. as well. Just recently. At the same time. So, so what does the legislation actually say? Can one of you pull up the legislation so we can hear Both what Both of them in is? New York goes to a third trimester, trimester abortion mm -hmm. based on the health of the mother, it, which mm -hmm. is if open the, if a mother, for any right. Right. And, and how many third trimesters? One at a time. One at a time. I have a so quote from the legislature. One at a time. One at a time. And it's... Rebecca. If a mother is in labor, I could tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be, be, would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the family desired. The infant would that be kept comfortable. That pretty much describes every childbirth that there is because you can give birth to a perfectly healthy, viable baby, and then you decide whether you're going to take care of it or not. I mean, I think that's the scary thing. Right. I want to circle back a little bit because um, – I, don't I know Kitty doesn't saying. is saying yeah, abortion is not finish. on the table for a lot of like the Democratic primaries and so on, but I I want to kind of look back in a bigger picture and I think it's something that really marks conservatives versus liberals, and that is although it is not technically on the platform maybe or no Bruce asked me if I wanted it right, to if be you want if it. I and, thought it and my be. point and is no, that we we see two states now discussing this issue. And when we go and we talk about other things like the Supreme Court, like health care, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. I don't know if everyone's going to agree. I will tell you one of the significant differences between conservative Republicans and Democrats is that those issues do come back to abortion. And abortion will always be at the very bottom of a lot of the differences and a lot of the issues that are driving. When we're talking about the Supreme Court... In Republican talking, primaries, yes, we're absolutely. Talking, we're and when we are questioning Supreme Court judges, mm -hmm. 
guess yes. what? We all know what the litmus test is. When we are questioning whether Donald Trump can name them, it's not because he's worried about eminent domain, although that might be. It's more about the abortion issue. When you're talking about Obamacare or, and health care and it, Medicare for all. What, Stephanie, what is I the most, who is paying for abortions? I'm going no, to tell you right now. One of the most fascinating things there, but about you, the Republican is, Party to me. It is at the your root opinion of is many on, on political your, differences. When you are wearing your hat, yes, Stephanie, but on our side of the table, that's not what we care about. This is oh, not. I, I guess it's about I think the, it the only thing, thing you, you can't tell me what I care about. We care about equality. The March for Women's Lives is all about abortion. It's not. Yes, no. Who worked on Who worked on the March for Women's Lives? The March for Women. Wait, Jeannie. Let me finish for one second. No, you keep interrupting me and don't let me get a word in edgewise. I worked on the March for Women's Lives. There were not there was not anyone that I worked with there that was primarily there because they wanted something about abortion. That wasn't so the they would not let Roe a pro-life the they would not let a pro-life group march at the women's march. What's they sort of confusing about the entire Republican stance the pro-life about abortion march is with you women. guys uh, you guys don't time. let this you don't let people you don't want people to be pro-choice. You don't want this conversation between a woman and a doctor. Yet the thing that would prevent abortions is better paying jobs, better health care, birth control, better schools. No one wants to fund that. When we come back Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, that's the issue. When a Democrat perspective is undemocratic. When we come back, got a wild group tonight. When we when we come back, we're going to be changing the subject. Don't go away. debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt in in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Bruce Dumont back. Boy, we have quite a show this evening. Uh, we have quite a show. You can't explain. And, and, and if you like the show that you're hearing, if you like the show that you're hearing on the air, there's also cross conversations going on. They're all <laughs> then they're tweeting back and forth to each other, and they're and, and googling and each other. Texting. And, yeah, and we're texting. And we're texting. So, uh, at this particular point, I'm going to ask each of our guests to take a moment to introduce themselves, and we will begin with Rebecca Abraham. I'm Rebecca Abraham. I'm on the board of Our Revolution Chicago, Illinois. I'm a registered nurse, and I also am an activist for Medicare for All um, and any health care issues that I deem democratic and, you know, 
worthy of attention. Stephanie Hitt. I'm Stephanie Hitt. I'm a reformed attorney and political activist in uh, Evanston, one of the few conservative Republican voices. And every once in a while, I like to throw in there that I did do a stint at the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Manhattan <laughs> under Giuliani, <laughs> under Ju Rudy Giuliani. And your Not sister's in the FBI. And yes, yes, yes. Got High a lot up, of good we can't, stories. But, but we can't talk about I it. I have a great family photo of our entire family with um, Jim Comey. Really? Really cute photo. You still have it? I do. I'll show it to you guys <laughs> off, offline. Kitty Kurth joins us. I'm Kitty Kurth. I'm the president of Kurth Lampy Worldwide and the host of Girl Pundits Podcast. And a friend of Bruce Dumont for going on about 30 years. About 30 years. And you, and you stood up for me a couple of weeks ago in a Facebook battle. I will always stand Thank up you for you much. and Thank for you anybody's much. right to their opinion. That's right. Jeannie Ives. I'm Jeannie Ives. I'm a mother of five. That's how I identify me, myself first. I'm a uh, former three-term state representative um, in Illinois, and I ran against the worst Republican governor for the primary. And you almost beat him. Yes. Almost. But then he lost in the general election. That's right. Big time. Big time. Yeah. But you, ran, go back you ran a great campaign. Thanks. For the you amount did. of money that you spent, you got Rest amazing right. results. We got calls. Let's go to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Terry is listening to us tonight. Go ahead, Terry. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, first, I'd just like to say that the claim that abortions are being caused by low-paying jobs is one of the more ridiculous things I've heard for a while. Um, I believe the governor of Virginia is a Nazi, and no one should be sad to see him go. But the idea that a picture from 35 years ago that was put in the yearbook. The school thought this was an appropriate picture for the yearbook is a basis for get, taking him out of his job. Again, I think is we're going down a dangerous road there. Okay, let's stay on the line. I want to get everybody to, to react, not just to that particular point, because we all have, we have, we're all politically involved here. Should anything that anybody says 30, 35 years ago be held against him. Stephanie. Well, you know, it's very interesting. This issue came up um, <clears throat> when we looked at Brett Kavanaugh's yearbook photo and then trying to interpret and parse through every little comma and sentence in that. And it's a great question about, you know, what do we do as teenagers? I think that the amount of time doesn't matter. What matters is at what point in their lives, like at what point in their lives do we sort of attribute some sense of morality or adult or mature behavior because I think one of the things that came out with Kavanaugh is teenage years you know we, we do make a delineation between people that are juveniles and those that are 25 years old so the fact that it was 30 years ago may not be a difference the fact that he was in his mid-20s versus being 14 that's really more, I think, of the question that we look at. Well, Kitty Kurt, j just I, I on this issue, let's I agree focus with on this. Stephanie, you know, what you did X mm. number of years ago, you know, as you remember, Henry Hyde said he had a youthful indiscretion when he was in his 40s. I think right. what's more <laughs> important is if you take responsibility for your actions, how you take responsibility for your actions and what you do now. Jeannie Ives. 
Well, I start out by saying that it's up to Virginians to decide mm -hmm. if he can govern from now on. It's going to be their decision about whether or not no, but that general, is Generally speaking, though, Jeannie, should there be a statute of limitations on what any candidates, regardless of the party, should there be a statute of limitations if you do something really dumb? Hey, I've always believed in criminal justice reform and looking at uh, the, the body of people's work, you know, and so... We're, we're, we're getting pretty far down uh, the rabbit hole here when we start to look back that far and not look at more recent things. I think he, he should resign over his infanticide remarks. And there's our current remarks. That's a current position he currently holds. That is far more inflammatory than a picture. I will say this, though. 1984? I mean, I remember 1984. I was in college in 1984. Um, you don't wear... A KKK outfit. You don't right. put on blackface. No, you don't do that. Remember, it was a complete lack of judgment. Big, and I, that concerns me, and I think that that's what so, should be. Ladies, times ladies, one conversation at a time. Yeah. That should be concerning yeah. to folks. It, right. We're making to a, put point. a little the, to put the UGA a little history, people, UVA people. UVA, yeah. University of Virginia, to put a little history on it. During those same years, yeah. there was huge lawn jockey controversies and yeah. people on both sides of the issue were dressing up in blackface and dressing up like lawn jockeys during the time that I was in school to either protest it or to make a statement about it. Right. I mean, it was, it, it sounds crazy, but, but it was a different but, but time. It was in the 80s. It, it was in the early 80s. to bring about a discussion yes. and a reform and so on. Um, it, which is very different, that. you know, if you're just doing it to uh, say at a do party, a minstrel at a show party, or yeah. something like this, and you think you're being funny and and all of that. Um, I think, uh, you know, and again, we look back the '80s. The '80s was very different. I think that uh, college campuses were becoming a lot more activist because of the '60s. But, you know, who knows? I mean, if you look back at what, I mean, let's talk about Robert so, Byrd. I want to Robert Byrd got it. He was got, not got even a young college student. No, he, he was, was in medical, medical school. He was school. I, I want to get, get your like, This man was a practicing Absolutely. physician. So, Rebecca, here's my question. Should there be a, a statute of limitations? No, it depends. It depends on what you did and if you continue to do it over and over again. And it depends on if you apologized. He didn't really apologize. And then he admitted no. to something else terrible and he did. And he, he said, he said, oh, it might not walk. have been me. Right. Yeah, that it, was what I, that was what bothered not, me. Sorry, let me he was show not you the a kid. Walk. That was let's, what bothered me that he didn't take responsibility. One at a time, one at a time. I just want to, I think as a millennial and the only millennial on this panel, we are not, are not going, <laughs> this is not, sorry, that's how I stand out, and the millennial punted it. Um, this is not the last time we are going to see this. I, I have come of age yeah. in the age of Facebook, so yep. everything I've ever done is documented yeah. since I was 19 years old. Prediction. Yeah. Um, You're going to see it in the coverage of Kamala Harris, yes. who's running for president of the United States. And everybody else. find out everyone else. whether things that happened 20 or 30 years ago are important if you want to be president. You mean of the like she States. slept with Willie Brown to get promotions? Could be. That could be one of the subjects. When he was still married? Could be one of the subjects well, I mean, that comes up. We are a country. Should come, that of, should come up. Yeah. We're a country that of amazing should. forgiveness and redemption, which is very interesting um, because, you know, we, I mean, look, somehow the Democratic Party, you know, forgave Robert Byrd.
for example, for having been a Klansman. Uh, and uh, the Republican <laughs> Party, and so the Republican Party yes. has forgiven Stephen we, we King are that for being a racist today. Well, he was rebuked. He was strongly rebuked by everybody in the Congress. One at a time. One at a time. I can't get away with that. He was strongly rebuked by his party. They put in a motion to rebuke him. And does he still have his committee position? You know what? Let's talk about. Does he still have his committee position? You know what? Let's go. Could you answer my question, please? No, he doesn't. He was taken off of his committee oh, positions. Hello. He was that's taken nice. off of that. That's good. They you did didn't even right know thing. that? that what else do paper. you listen to? That was in the Let's paper. Let's get a little bit. Hey, look, how about he another national story? didn't have that on story? NPR? Not on the Tribune. Yeah, no, he's been, re- I mean, well, he's basically ineffectual yeah. now. And whether he'll re- get oh, re- He's always been yeah. ineffectual. I'm sorry, but let's put another dynamic here because this actually became a national story. And it's one that happened on the Illinois State House while I was sitting there. And it was a Democrat, Stephanie Kifowit, who basically said in response to our Republican floor leader that she wanted to brew up a batch of Legionella and feed it to his family so they could suffer and die. And she said that on the Illinois House floor. And I was the only one in the moment who stood up and rebuked her. Now, every other Republican should have, but every other Democrat should, and they did not. They did not say a word. Well, She's still sitting in process. And did, exactly, and, and Democrats did nothing to her. She wished death on not only Peter Breen, but also his entire family. Brew up a batch of Legionnaires. That's what she wanted to do, and feed it to his family so they could suffer and die. By the way, let's Hateful, go, awful comments. Let's go back. And she's still in office. I want to go back to a point that you because you mentioned Bobby Byrd. Bobby Byrd, yeah. uh, who was a long-serving member of the United States Senate from West Virginia, at once upon a time as a young man, was a member of the Ku Klux Klan for a, a long time. He was yeah. a leader. He was a, he was a grand wizard yeah, yeah, for a long yes. time. And yet he gets elected. I think he got elected six or seven times oh, in West Virginia. Oldest, but my yeah. question is. And uh, South and, and Carolina. And by the way, but, and, yeah. and it was Robert Strom Thurmond. Yeah. But here's the point. Bobby Byrd and, and what he was and who he was is it's apples and oranges to compare him with Steve King. I think Steve King's comments were reprehensible. Anything that happens to him, to be censured, whatever it is, I I think that's a good idea. It is up to the voters in Iowa to determine whether or not he gets thrown out, just as it was up to the voters in West Virginia to, to, to vote on Bobby Byrd. So my saying and is that when Democrats... Virginia, and, and when you have when you have people in the party who have that type of reputation. By the way, he was one of the most popular and influential Democrats. He was the chairman of the Appropriations Committee for years. But the Democrats, you know, they they did not clamor to throw him out because he was in the Ku Klux Klan once. They sort of overlooked but that. But it's a different, Maybe they w- it's they a different, it's different era. Different. No, because it's even, even as a Democrat, I don't think we should have forgiven Ted Kennedy for Chappaquiddick. That was terrible what he did. Very in good. This day Back and age, shortly from Chicago. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief 
The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. about after the, we were there i would say in the 90s I, or maybe when 2000 really yeah to be enlightened in virginia not but like they South weren't supposed to be in the world they were back then even There's back a, there oh, they maybe were supposed to be but they weren't uh, uh, you know, Eastern Coast elites. I mean, but they were. But it's it's been a, especially the Thomas Jefferson because he was such a visionary in yeah. so many ways. He was such an intellectual but, part of of American history and all of this, and yet there was this personal side of his life that kind of that contradicted even, that. Even in, and you know, being a there's that constant debate in Virginia, and I think Virginia is a very unique place in that way. Of that, they have a terrible they, the time man, with being race. a man of your time. They have a terrible time with race. It, you know, Washington had slaves. <clears throat> being a man of your time. Robert E. Lee did not have slaves. He freed his father-in-law's slaves, yet he fought for the, you know. So Virginia is well, uniquely complicated in that way. I'm Bruce Dumont. Welcome to Outnumbered. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going tonight. back to watching the Super Bowl online. No, 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 no. What Super Bowl? What <laughs> Super Bowl? There is no Super Bowl. <laughs> Here's my, all right, our buddy, but but something came up that you you said right before the break, uh, Rebecca. You made a comment about Ted Kennedy, and mm-hmm. and you oh, thought yeah. that as a millennial, you, you didn't think that that he should have uh, gone far in the Democratic oh, Party. Oh no, he okay. should have had to resign. He should have just went into private life. And do you feel the same way about Bill Clinton? Yeah, I think okay. what he did to Monica Lewinsky was terrible. I think he abused his power. Um, you know. On her end, sleeping with a married man is wrong, but she was young. You know, you have this powerful older man coming for you. I mean, like, she was, it was, he, he did a power play, John and F. it was Kennedy. wrong. Okay, now that we're wait a minute, about, wait a minute. What about Camilla? I mean, wait a minute. I want to talk about Camilla Harris because the name has been brought up. You were you were basically saying you didn't think that what, whatever allegations have been made about Camilla Harris that they're not important to you. That's her personal life. I think there's a difference between public and private life. Mm. Ted Kennedy was a senator, killed a woman, walked away, and no consequences, really. Um, Bill Clinton was the president, also abused his power, no consequences. He was impeached, but he still had a very vibrant life. Um, No punishment ever really came, still very popular with men and women. But again, but the, the, who Kamala well, Harris has left the, with okay, prior the, to her here, here, success, here, here. I don't care. I don't, she w- I don't, it wasn't when she was senator, yeah. I think is Rebecca's point. Is yeah. That, did she do yeah. it on Did my, she do it my, while she was an elected official? In an elected office? Uh, well, pro- might have. She was, she, was a, she was a prosecutor, state's attorney. Was it her private you? life or did it come into her public life? Because again, I heard well, like I read like a blur. Yeah, absolutely. The guy that he, sl- the guy she argument. slept with, Willie Brown, was former mayor of the San Francisco Assembly. In charge also in the Assembly. Speaker put her on of the two, House of right. California. Put her on two prominent commissions, and in five years, it was four hundred thousand dollars worth of money for those two commissions. And 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 he knowingly 
knowingly did that to promote her but career. What did she do? That Allegedly, was she she went into she 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 got a job by she uh, got a job by like, from with the my guy. point of view. Yeah. He did something. Yeah, he unethical. did something unethical. Not her. Yeah, I don't. No, she, she knew what she was doing too. Yeah, you know for sure. Well, it will be interesting to hear more about it and to hear more about all of the. 1,800 candidates for president. Well, yeah. and, and I brought up John F. Kennedy. What's interesting is we now know, I mean, people did not know. The press protected John F. Kennedy. Yes. Mm-hmm. The press, mm-hmm. we do not have that anymore. Even in the 80s, people protected. And almost to a point in the 90s, people protected. People protected Clinton no. for a long time. I but will I say Let me just say, this is the, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Or, Camilla Harris. Kamala Harris has been a candidate for president now for a couple of weeks now, right? Right. right. I don't recall the, the conversation that we just had that, that, that emanated out of a comment that Jeannie made, and we've done, you know, seven minutes on it. Uh, that hasn't been on, discussed on any of it the shows. It was on MSNBC. Okay and, what, <laughs> okay, and what did they say? They just, they talked about it and said there are allegations, and, you know, we'll see as things go forward. Okay, but the question is, if, if there had been allegations against any, let me finish, against any Republican running in 2016, of which there were against the president, Bill, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or D- Donald Trump. I think we can establish covered, a little more okay, than allegations. Okay, okay, wait, but the point is, every, everybody, was on the, everybody was on the case. Now, again, you listen to MSNBC because you, you like their politics and you like their personalities. So my question is, are we going to have the, 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 the left-leaning national cable news operations and the big three networks, four networks, are we going to have them having open discussions like we're having about Camilla Harris and so. what her relationship was with Willie Brown and whether or not that either helps her in her career or hurts her career? I think so. I mean, they already have, as I just reported a minute ago. They're already talking about it. Well, they're ta- but they'll they're be talking, talking about, about it, it, but are they going to be talking yeah. about it Consistently, I think it. Are they going to be talking about it more than they talk about Steve King? Yeah. I, I hope would not. I think it will be seen to have any merit. When, one question: When she oh, when she made her announcements, one of the first things she said was, "I know I've not been perfect. I know I've made some mistakes." Yes, which is very very interesting because she's already anticipating the. The yearbooks, the Facebooks, the history, whatever. So we are entering, I think, a new sort of uh, apologist tour if you're going to run for president. Yeah, well, there's going to be a proctoscopic investigation of everybody, as well there should be. And you better start your mea culpas. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other issues, including (laughs) whether or not the president of the United States should automatically believe his intelligence chiefs. Back shortly from Chicago.
Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt debt in in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce Dumont back. I have uh, hosed the panel down, and they're ready for hour number two. It was a lively first hour, and hopefully we'll have a lively second hour as well, but hopefully uh, we'll have one speaker at a time. Uh, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I want to talk about... Uh, I want to talk about something that that was very disappointing to me this week, okay? And that is the president's reaction to the intelligence chiefs who went before Congress to offer their assessment of of intelligence. Now, again, if you're a longtime listener to this or viewer of this program, you know for 30 years, I have been very critical of the intelligence community. And I, and I do believe that when, when new presidents come and presidents come and go, they are frequently rolled by the intelligence community. And I, and I think this president has been rolled by the intelligence community early on. But this is also someone, when he ran for president, questioned the veracity 
of the intelligence community, said that mistakes were made. So he did not go in there just this pie-eyed guy, wide-open guy, thinking that the intelligence community could do no wrong. And there have been, there have been incidents along the way where the intelligence community and the president have, have, have uh, rubbed each other the wrong way, and former heads, members, whether it's James Clapper or, or John Brennan, former intelligence people who should be a little more circumspect, they have been outwardly denouncing the president for over two years now. So that's, that's the climate that, um, that I ask this question of, of Jeannie Ives. Uh, were you surprised or disappointed by what the intelligence chiefs said before the Senate investigating uh, committee this week? And uh, were you surprised and upset about the way the president reacted to their testimony? And by the way, we should mention for those around the country, you were a graduate of West Point and uh, you're a captain uh, in the U.S. Army. Retired. Well, yes. And, uh, well, not retired. I, I, okay. I left after six years, so I did my time. I do have a, a son who's an Army Ranger. I have a son who's a Navy pilot. So, um, you know, obviously I care about this. But I think the crux of the, the problem was maybe a discrepancy in describing the testimony in front of Congress. So I, I believe that it hinged on whether or not it w- their, their testimony was like, we believe that currently they are in compliance with Iran. Iranians are in compliance with the the agreement on not um, going forward with their nuclear program. And um, I think that's where you have the conflict. So I actually don't know um, what maybe occurred with with Trump, but possibly he heard that and he said that's just poppycock, maybe thinking that they were – they were saying, well, you know, Iran's fine. They're an okay actor. They're, they're complying, which I think he's looking forward into saying, you know, that they're a, ter- they're a terrorist organization. They support terrorist o- organizations around the world. They, they are not um, somebody that we need to be treated treat with kid gloves. We don't care if they're in compliance now. We care about what's going to happen in the future. And um, I think that he's far more cautious and uh, about going forward with anything with Iran, and I think that's good. But what and if, I think that's yeah. where the conflict came in, but, is the uh, description see, of the testimony. Okay, the, the one that, that caught me even more than that was North Korea. The president had just announced that he was going to have a second summit uh, in, in North Korea, and basically the next day it's leaked that the intelligence community questions whether or not uh, Kim Jong-un has given up any of his weapons uh, and it, 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 it raises a question as to why the president would be going to meet with this guy after the intelligence community says that he hasn't done anything based on the first meeting. Now, when story – and by the way, this, this is an MO that the intelligence community has used for decades. And this is one of the things that, that I criticize. The intelligence community frequently likes to force the president of the United States into an action – one that, may, one that they may like, mm-hmm. the president may be right or wrong about, the American people may either oppose it or agree with it, but the intelligence community are in a position to manipulate the president of the United States. When I heard that, I said, okay, it's the intelligence people manipulating the president again because anytime something leaks that says that, that, that the South Korean or the North Koreans are, are not living up to at least uh, the, the conversation that was had, you know, several months ago. It's basically saying, you know, no matter what the president says, he's not telling you the truth. 
Excuse and so, me. so then, here's my point. So then when you go, when you ask them under oath in a congressional hearing, four of them, to give their assessment, they give their assessment. I don't think all four of them were lying, but the president still doesn't seem to buy what they were selling. I think it's important to also note, especially in the case of North Korea, that the same thing that was leaked was also reported by several other countries in, um, in intelligence communities yes. the prior day. So it wasn't just something that came out of the air. It was something that had been reported all over the globe. Right. Okay, but, but he, he, so here's the deal. He's operating... Um, he's operating on a go-forward basis. He's, he's trying to make a deal happen. He's trying to be uh, persuasive in arguing we need to get together, we're going to make this deal happen, right? He's not, he's not doing anything in terms of – in the intelligence community I, th- community, I think you're right. They're pushing him into a decision that they want him to, to back away from. He wants to make a deal here. He wants to get progress on these fronts. And at least we don't have him firing off missiles anymore. Right. He, he's not doing that. Um, and, and he's and by the way, I started the pr- to have I think, Trump or I think, he, Kim Jong-un. Oh, Kim Jong-un. I think. <laughs> I think that I, <laughs> not yet. Not yeah. yet. Thank we you. don't Stephanie. know. Okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Please. I mean, the, the, so, so he's into to making a deal here, right? And, and actually adhering to deals, which is something that Obama has never been able to do. And, he, and th- we might as well bring it in right now. The INF Treaty, right? They knew... Back in 2013, that Russia was violating the INF Treaty, and they did nothing about it. And finally, Trump has said, "Look, that's it. You got six months to clean up your act and not deploy those land-based missiles." And uh, it was and, just and coincidence and that Putin the did the same thing. That Putin also but said, I think that's, that's the whole point, though. He is yeah. enforcing an agreement, and his NATO allies are completely supportive of that. He is always looking to either enforce the agreements or to get the agreement that we need. Is it wise when you say that your intelligence chiefs should go back to school? No. No. Not always wise. You I mean, do you think that was a good idea? Especially when you discord or open <laughs> discord with your specialists, with your chief advisors, whatever. And this when you're very, someone that right. allegedly well, doesn't read their briefings, I mean, I've well, traveled with Vice President Biden for eight years, for, with Vice President Gore for eight years. They read their briefings. Did they always agree with everything in their briefings? No. But they read them so that they would know what to ask about so that they would know what to anticipate so that they would know if another world leader said x to them was x true or not true based on our own intelligence if we don't know what our own intelligence says how can we gauge another country and and Jeannie's point is and it's very important was this is a different kind of president Yes. He is the deal maker. He is the master maker. And he is one of these people. I don't think that's that, it. I think that he's his, not understanding the way, papers. Can I finish? He care. Let me finish. I totally disagree. Um, he, he has these outward goals. He works to have them. It's, he is not a wonk. He's not a policy guy. He is a deal maker. And that, that's very Back shortly different. from Chicago. Standing up for what's right, helping out when things go wrong, seeking the truth, and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. 
leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, The Experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce Dumont back. Listen, we've got a really, we have a very important discussion that was started during the break by Jeannie Ives. You were describing this president and his relationship with the intelligence community. Put it on the record because it's very important and we want everybody else to respond to it. This is classic Trump. He, he knows that these people have been bureaucrats for decades. He knows that they have their own narrative. He knows that he's, he's already this been. The, this is the intelligence Intelligence apparatus. committee. Absolutely. But who were the first people that he got screwed by? The first people who lied about him, who worked against him, right? Those two. Then on top, the FBI, right? Then the Mueller investigation, Rod Rosenstein, you name it. Well, you've the got Mueller a investigation huge. is part of his <laughs> own doing. I, mean, I don't no, think no, no, that's no. right about him to jail. Exposing let, her, facts. All these let her finish the point, and there, then we'll go back so, to the Democrats. He has been dealing with the bureaucrats now for a long time, and he has seen what their power and what they are going to do. He has right. He is right to, to question everything that comes out of the bureaucracy. That's his job. That's why we elected him. We elected him to be on a, a check on the bureaucracy. I have no problem with him with questioning their Here's my follow-up to you, and then I want to hear from the Democrats. My, my initial question was, I agree with what you just said, but when you have the intelligence leadership going before Congress testifying, and that is on all the newscasts, is it wise to call them to the White House the next day after tweeting that they need to go back to school, that he doesn't believe them, and then basically issuing a statement the following day that uh, they, the American people didn't hear what was testified uh, in open hearings. Even though we saw it. Even though we saw it. So my question to you is, I agree with, with your comments about Trump. Let Trump be Trump. I'm just saying this is another example of through a tweet or, or loose lips, I don't think it was necessary to uh, 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 attack your, the intelligence of your intelligence people by suggesting that they have to go back to school. You could have said that and, in the closed-door meeting. Yeah. Right. But you know what? Don't, don't, disminish, don't diminish them in public. And Bruce, these are all people. These are all people that he appointed. These are his people. His his chosen people, and he told us he was going to choose the best people. And these are the people that he chose. So if these are the best people, and he doesn't believe them, then who does he believe besides Putin? Well, well, he may believe himself. It it isn't just Putin. Point. Point taken. he, He may. He may believe the same thing that I think you believed or Democrats believed for a long time, and that is American intelligence 
gave bogus information to the world, to Congress, and, 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 and to President Bush right. about, uh, about the war uh, in, our, in Iraq. He I'll tell you this, though. Day yes. one. Yeah. Day one, yes. he talked about that. Absolutely. So, I don't so that's, think not so, that's not a surprise. I also think that what's interesting is we're, we're, we're going back to like a stylistic thing as well about him, and that is how he operates via Twitter, I think, is in a parallel universe to how he operates in the White House. All right, let's hear from the Democrats about the, the, the basic element. Stephanie, tell me what you mean. You think he, you think he, the Twitter Trump is different from I the do, I do think Oval that, Office that, Trump? The Twitter Trump is a, it's a tool. It's a way to maybe get a message out or to get, get certain kinds of things out to the public in different ways and to position himself in one way and that it doesn't necessarily reflect what he's actually doing behind closed doors. Do you think he believes what he tweets? Oh, now I can't read his mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not going to do <laughs> that. But I do think that he uses, I will say it this way, he uses Twitter as a tool to get a certain message and to direct the conversation. He constantly, I agree. I agree. the other thing is he uses his, his tweets to constantly reinforce the fact that he is not going to be seduced by the Washington establishment, right? He's even if it's an establishment that he appointed. Right. Exactly. He he is at 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 key. He is supposed to be there to fight the swamp dweller. Well, I appreciate that, that he has a Twitter healthy skepticism yes. about every part of our bureaucracy. As somebody who has served in government, mm-hmm. I absolutely think we should be very skeptical from the so-called experts who have sat in directorships, but who you have sat in these things, you have to be skeptical behind closed You Fine. don't let the whole I, world look, know you don't style, trust your Look, his style, not my style. His style, not my style. I'm saying yeah. I appreciate his healthy skepticism about what comes across his desk, and, and for that but, I'm thankful. But, Bruce, I think your point, um, I think the way, and, and to Rebecca's, I think the way that he did it undermines our, the United States, appearance in the eyes of the world when he when he took off after the intelligence chiefs that way and said they should all go back to school and said you didn't hear them saying what they said on live tv what you heard yeah what you heard what you watched what you saw it i think it really undermines the way that the united states looks in the eyes of the rest of the world and, and he, that's what frightens he me is I, the, I, I would say one of the things and i don't know that it's um haphazard i i I want to give it some sense of consciousness, is he has he is a master of mixed messaging. And I will say that here's an example, and I think we're going to see the withdrawal or the discussions around the INF Treaty. It reminds me a lot of what just recently happened with NATO, where he threatened to withdraw from NATO. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we end up hearing from the Secretary General that his comments um, rather than, you know, what his critics saying that, oh, he's messing up NATO and he's irritating people, mm-hmm. came out and said that, in fact, Trump was right and that, in fact, he has strengthened NATO and he's gotten exactly what he wanted, and that is to get the members to stand up and support that membership. I believe the same kind of strategy is probably at hand on the INF Treaty as well. There are many, many of our allies who agree that Russia has been doing these things, that it might Mm -hmm. be time to reevaluate that, whether they're saying that in closed doors or openly in support. So I wouldn't be surprised if his very um, 
you know, he, he remember, he starts here as a negotiator, knowing he's going to end. He starts at 100, knowing that somewhere he's going to come around 50. I, he did that with NATO. He said the most extreme, came out with a strong support from NATO. I wouldn't be surprised if in INF we are looking at this, this element of going out with the most outrageous position and then working its way to a middle that is a compromise and a solution that's agreed upon by all. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that. I he hope you're right. I hope work. you're right. I think we saw well, it there, just with There's the probably a lot more playing out on the INF Treaty. Let's face it, there's the reason that. that Putin wants to deploy missiles is not necessarily against Europe. It's because he's worried about uh, China and China's, and, and, right. and China's stacking these missiles because they've got Pakistan issues. And, and, and so the, Putin's worried about other parts of his, of his border where he wants to put these, yeah, these intermediate range missiles. And we're thinking European, and, and that's fine, but it may, it may be time to be, do away with that treaty and come up with something well, what different. What do we, I, I, I want to uh, quickly switch gears here because. The president is going to give his uh, his long long awaited State of the Union address on Tuesday night, uh, and again the battle between he and the Speaker of the House is going to be reinforced again. Who is going to blink on the battle on the border, Rebecca? I don't, he's not getting his wall. I don't think he's ever going to get his wall. And if he calls a state of emergency to get his wall, it's just it's a disgrace. It's crazy, but he'll get his wall. I, I think that um, he should n not underestimate Nancy Pelosi and the power of the Democrats to stick together. Do you think he has thus far? I think he started out doing it, and then I think with the State of the Union, he was um, blown back a little bit. Did Nancy win uh, round one, in your view, the speaker, Jeannie? I, I think from a media standpoint, she certainly won round one. I think that in the end, uh, Trump looked like the um, bigger adult in the room, saying, fine, we're going to give you three more weeks. Go ahead and negotiate it. I've offered, I've offered you a reprieve on DACA. I've offered you reprieve on um, uh, temporary other, other temporary stays. Um, but you know what? So, so we're going to open up the government. Go ahead. you got three weeks. Prove Give, show me something. Yeah. Show me something. I think. I think that you know the three. The, I think. The, I would say Nancy probably, you know, he, she won that tiny little battle. But at the end of the day, I, I'm gonna maybe we can do a bet on this. I think he's going to get a wall in quotes because now you know we what what really constitutes a wall. We are going to get some sort of physical structures and Absolutely some electronic structures. That is going to happen. We it's going, going to come in some form or another. I agree. I don't want it done through emergency procedures because that opens a whole other we can of We will have worms. a physical barrier. There will be increased security and barriers. How who how he gets to call it, how he gets to name it, how he gets to celebrate it will be a question, but um, the headline Nancy has three that. weeks, and uh, she's already come out doing exactly what she did days. before. All she has done is said, no wall, no wall, no wall. Well, she can only do that for so long. I mean, I think the real she hero of that so story, and I'm about a week late with it, are the <laughs> flight air traffic controllers who said, we're just not going to come to work. Good for them yeah. for taking a stand. Yeah. They ended but their shutdown. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I agree with President Trump. Um, and here's what I agree with him on. The whole, even though he got his 
his information from a movie about the drug dealers having amazing cars and stuff. I think where he is right is, you know, the coyotes and the guys and the drug traffickers that make a lot of money, they are not going to let a wall stop them. Right. If there is a wall, then all of a sudden there will be fabulous boats going in and dropping people in all along the Gulf Coast and dropping drugs and dropping whatever else they're smuggling all along the Gulf Coast. And the scenes that we saw of the Syrian refugees and of the African refugees on the shores in Greece, those boats, that's what we're going to see across the entire Gulf Coast from Texas to, you know, Florida. When we come back, we'll talk more about that and we'll talk about Venezuela. Death. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Don't forget, wherever you're listening from coast to coast, please go to our Facebook page. Uh, Let us know that you like us. And it is the Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont Facebook page. And it has a picture of all four of our guests this evening, if you go there right now. We want you to like the page. And and this is something for people, uh, I guess people around the country might be interested in this. uh, And also certainly people living in the Chicagoland area. Uh, We have instituted a special edition called the Chicago Edition. And above and beyond what we do here every Sunday night by having four guests talk about national issues, we're doing a series of one-on-one interviews with the 13 candidates that are running for mayor of Chicago. And so uh, thus far we've done interviews uh, with uh, Willie Wilson and uh, Gary McCarthy and uh, Bill Daly and Lori Lightfoot and Bob Fioretti. And so if you go to Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont and you want to know what these people are like, uh, and some of it is sort of up close and personal, biographical stuff, and some of it is issues as well. Uh, you go there, and you, you've got basically 18 to 20 minutes where you can hear what these people sound like, what they look like, and it may help you make your decision in the field of uh, who uh, is going to be the next uh, mayor of the city of Chicago. So, again, beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont, the plan is to we'll have all the candidates on at some point. So they'll all be in, in one, uh, one place on Facebook where you can uh, listen to these interviews and watch them and uh, offer your assessment. And you can find out things like Bill Daly's favorite hot dog stand is Superdog. What was the most surprising and thing you found out from any of the candidates? Most surprising? I think, um, I think the, uh, the struggle that Lori Lightfoot has had in, in her life, uh, difficulty with uh, 
her brother who was in prison uh, and uh, the way that she had to sort of step up and sort of lead the family. I think that's one thing uh, that sort of, you know, kind of moved me. Uh, Bill Daly talked about, obviously, the legacy of his his, uh, his brother and his father that, uh, you know, he understands that a lot of people in Chicago don't appreciate that legacy very much. So everybody sort of brings a little something different to the table. There's a couple of... Uh, some candidates throwing other candidates under the bus. Uh, Bob Fioretti explaining how surprised he was when uh, when Buddy Guy gave him $500,000 for his campaign, which was a nice thing to do. Did he say him. how much he asked for? No, he didn't ask. <laughs> he didn't ask for anything. It was it was just he was he he said he was legitimately surprised when he got this. Uh, I mean, I know they've donation. been friends for a long time. Yes, but that's, right. That's but a good that's friend. That's a, that's yeah. a very good friend. So what, I, I it's something to do. And again, uh, uh, if you like it, again, uh, you know, we may continue to do it periodically because uh, sometimes you know things are happening during the week, uh, and there's other things, maybe Chicago-related things, Illinois-related things, and there'll be an opportunity to have uh, have a good you know 18 to 20 minutes uh, up close, personal with a with a, a leader of the Illinois political scene or someone that wants to be a leader the political scene. Anyway, uh, let's go to Ron listening to us in Sacramento, California, listening to us on KTKZ. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, I brought you in California. First, just from California, <clears throat> the, joke on, the joke around here is that <clears throat> Kamala Harris should be on the campaign trail with a mattress on her back, you know. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> the first of all, let me just say quick. The first well, I think the bigger question would be how much influence would Willie Brown have on a president, Kamala Harris? Yeah, that's true. Right? His guess is in his mid-80s, or I don't know. Not, but her first elected office in 2010 for AG of California is widely believed to be a stolen election. Her opponent, Steve Cooley, Steve Cooley was up by 37,000 votes late into the evening on election night. And then they just kept counting, kept counting. Oh, we found more votes. We found a little bit more here. And she wound up winning by 50,000. Pierre Baloney, a stolen election, yep. much like, you know, in Orange County two months ago. Well, we'll be we'll be hearing a lot about that, and we'll be hearing about other candidates that are running as well. Thank you very much for your call, because we talked about uh, Kamala Harris uh, quite a bit a little bit earlier in the broadcast. But uh, let's take a moment, at least, uh, with our hearing from our Democrats and Republicans as well. What's your assessment of the Democratic presidential field right now at this moment? Rebecca, I'm very left. I like. I was a Bernie delegate in 2016. I like Elizabeth Warren, and I like Bernie Sanders. Um, Do you want Bernie in the race again? Yeah, I think he has momentum from last time, and I think he does appeal to independent voters, especially in the Rust Belt. I think he could win Wisconsin. I think he could win Ohio. I think he could win Indiana. We did very well in those states. I think last time we won 21 out of 22 states. We didn't have a poor showing at all. Um, I think he has the momentum, and plus I think, unfortunately, um, and I say this as a woman that has political ambition and would like to run myself, but I am scared that there's an older generation of men in the Rust Belt and the southern states who are just not mentally ready for a woman, and that terrifies me. Um, I would love to see Elizabeth Warren, like, get there and do it, but I... I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I've talked to a lot of men. I. I mean, as a woman, I get dismissed all the time. Oh, you have children. Oh, you're just a nurse. So I. I don't know what they're going to do to Elizabeth Warren. I love her deeply. But what I think is great is right now of the declared candidates, 
I think right now, unless somebody else declared this morning and I wasn't paying attention, um, we've got more declared women running than men, yes. which is a first, which is kind which is of awesome. fabulous. Right. Now, I am on the record back in the day saying that the Republicans would be the first to elect a woman as president before the Democrats. But that was because at the time that I said it, there were women like Kay Bailey Hutchinson and, you know, Susan, uh, it was before Susan Collins, but it was Olympia Snow. The, the, de the Republicans for a long time had been better at putting women in sure. governor's seats, Senate, and in the Senate. I think now the Democrats, we have more women, so maybe we'll get a woman there first. Yeah. But I think it's fabulous that all these people are running. I love that Sherrod Brown is running. I hope Amy Klobuchar gets in. Yeah. I hope that a lot of more of these people get in, and I hope that at the national level we have a real solid issues discussion. But aren't you ideas. for Joe Biden? Hasn't, been, hasn't Joe, Biden Joe Biden been one of your friends for 30 years? No, but um, since 2008. I was okay. a Dukakis guy in 88. Okay. I love Joe Biden. He is a wonderful man. Dr. Biden is a wonderful woman. I agree with Joe Biden on pretty much every issue, but I don't know that he should run for president. He's older. There are other people who are younger. If he runs and asks me to help, I probably will out of loyalty, but I don't know that he would be my first choice at this point in time but I don't know who my first choice is at this point in time because everybody isn't on the table. Would uh, Michael Bloomberg possibly be a choice? Um, not for me. He's a little bit too... I, I think he's a great guy. I love what he's done on gun issues. But for me, he's a little bit too centrist. I really, I so like then how do you Klobuchar. feel about Howard Schultz? No. I mean, actually, <laughs> um, I, well, yeah. Well, the well, Democrats I mean, and Republicans can agree on one thing: we all don't like Howard Schultz. Actually, well, I, I think yeah. that I think that having Howard Schultz's voice and the issues that he cares about is an important voice. But I, historically, because I was very active in '92 when Ross Perot was in there, I historically would think that under our system, because we don't have a parliamentary system, I think if you want to make change, you have to either run in the Democratic primary or in the Republican primary, if you're a serious candidate for president. Would you like to say, I'm going to turn to our Republicans now, of those thousands of people who are running for the presidency on the other right. side, mm -hmm. uh, who is the one that you think would give Donald Trump the toughest race? I can't, I can't think of a single one, and here's, here's, here's why. First of all, just from the other side, I don't know what differentiates any of those candidates. And frankly, especially as a woman, and I'm almost insulted by the fact that I'm so supposed to vote for a woman because I'm a woman. And to have candidates out there kind of running on the fact that they are a woman is... I haven't Always heard any of them run. Yeah, there's, there's, no, no, no. No, but we just, you there. just had a whole discussion about how excited you Time are about, about the women. I would like to see my gender succeed at the highest office. No, but I don't, I don't I want, want I mean, policy I was a Bernie Sanders delegate. I want a policy to see. I think we had a situation where Nate Silver from 538 was on with the George Stephanopoulos today, and he talked about the five lanes 
of the Democratic Party. There's the establishment. There's the black lane. There's the there's there's women. There's Hispanics. Right. Uh, there's all kinds of lanes. So the question is, almost every constituency group in the Democratic Party is going to have its candidate. But there's going the to be Julian issues. Castro. There's yeah. going to be a gay candidate now. We're not. Uh, we're not. We're not that basic. basic. It's what identity what politics. Bruce? It's identity Bruce, politics. Was, one no, Bruce, Bruce. One at a time. One at a time. One at a time. One, one, one. It's not identity politics for this reason. The reason why I would like to see a woman elected president and why I like to see more women in government is because if you look internationally, the countries that have the most faith in their government, the countries that like their government the best, and the countries where people have the highest quality of life and the highest happiness index are all the countries where women are a majority of the elected officials. Well, okay, I'm going to dial it back. I just don't believe that. Well, you like a woman governor. I'm happy to send you. I'm happy to send you. I ran a race for governor on policy issues, 100% policy issues. Never brought up the woman thing. When I went to West Point, it never even occurred to me that I was in one of the first classes to go there. I didn't even, I, it didn't even occur to me. Hadn't even thought about that until like 20 years after I graduated. Had no recollection of there. I went there because I grew up with four brothers. We, we, we never, we had Title IX. There was no difference. There was none of this women this, women that in my family. It's when a, we no come concept. back, I promise. No concept of it. Venezuela. Venezuela. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. We are back, and Jeannie Ives just uh, reminded everybody that one year from today is the Iowa caucus. Let me let me offer a suggestion here. Tell me uh, whether there's any sense to this. Amy Klobuchar, who has been discussed as a possible candidate, you haven't heard too much about her lately. By the way, we didn't we didn't mention Kristen uh, Gillibrand, right. who uh, right. who's who, announced. Who, she's announced, and she kind of slipped on the banana peel when she when she got in the race. Uh, and she seems to have been lost, at least in the discussion. It seems to be all about Camilla Harris. But um, if Klobuchar ran, um, because she's from Minnesota, would she have a leg up in doing well in Iowa? And if you win Iowa, does that give you a bump to New Hampshire where her style, her retail style, might give her a couple of quick wins which then makes her a front runner. It absolutely could. And as you know, you know, people from Iowa 
and from Minnesota drive across the border and go work in Iowa. Yeah, volunteers. they all in each other's states probably. <laughs> I mean, didn't Tim Pawlenty do well? Didn't Michelle Bachman do right. well at the Iowa caucuses? Being a front runner doesn't mean yeah. as much Minnesota. I thought they okay. did. No, but, no. And I think Amy's a great Tim candidate. No, they I've did not. They do. They do. They did not. But Michelle the point, the point like, is, they get second or something? The point is, they did not do well. So the, the, you're making the but, point that the, the connection of but Minnesota. But the Republican electorate and the Democratic electorate in Iowa are quite different. What lane would Amy Klobuchar come from other than the female lane? Well, she's a former prosecutor. She's a big liberal. I think she, you know, I, I think mean, that putting people in lanes is not how we as Democrats think yeah. and how think we're going to vote. But yeah, not, but journalists are not, journalists not are not part of the Democratic Party. Stop the presses. Journalists are not part of the Democratic yes, Party. They yes, are. they are. Yes, they are. In our elections, they don't Look, 97% of Chicago delegates. What 97% of Democrats in, in Chicago Actually, are, are journalists in Chicago. I are think Democrats. if you look at their voting record, you, do. you will. You would not find any journalist voting in a Democratic primary or a Republican Yes, you do. Primary. I'll send you the but record. Please send I will me one send you the report. One. We've done the it. report on it. I we have all their data. They didn't vote for Trump. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, so uh, what about... Wait, can we ask a question yeah, here? Uh, absolutely. So we've, we've talked a lot about different personalities, different people in the race. Yeah. We've not talked about one policy issue that I'm for so because I'm... Okay, Medicare for all. That's why I was for Bernie. Wait, who on your side is not for Medicare for all? Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. I'm talking about... Bloomberg. Bloomberg's not in yet. And Schultz doesn't Howard want Schultz. it. And the rest. Cory Booker Schultz. goes yeah. back and forth. Schultz is going to run as an independent. Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris just One at a time, one at a time. But, no, time. but nobody has of those in. There's been no defining policy issue that I, we I I said, I'll say. Actually, on the break. I said, yes, I like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren because they want to tax billionaires and millionaires. That is a what fantastic policy. They all do. My point is, no, they all do. Folks, 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 folks. Bloomberg's not in Schultz. I want to, yeah, Bloomberg and Schultz are not in yet. That's right. I'm talking of those candidates. And again, they've got lots of money, but they may not have lots of anything else. My question to you is, where do you put... Cory Booker. Obviously, he's African-American. But where does he fit into the other group of liberals? He's pretty much, he is more of a centrist than a lot of the others. If you look at his voting record and his history, he is to the right of many of the other candidates like Sherrod Brown and Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. Is that good or bad? Well, it worked for Obama. You know, Obama had a centrist yes, voting had a centrist voting record, and I think that helped him along the way. And that would help him greatly in South Carolina. But which yes. is one of the, which Obama is one of the first was three. over ten years ago, and I think the electorate has changed significantly with That's Generation true too. Z and That's my generation. Like Obama, we thought was yeah, open d- change, open the change, Demo- and then we're like, yeah. wait a minute, you're a centrist. But you had <laughs> the Demo- the Democratic Party is he had a lot Obama of ran on traditional marriage, which is very yeah. right. And yeah. he wasn't left enough for that. me, but he was yeah. very left at the time. But it's fi- but now we have all sorts of candidates who are pulling but, left. Okay, so the, the but Cory de- Booker is not clear, left enough. Democratic- he votes with big pharma- pharmaceutical companies. There is donor Cory Booker can the take a walk. Democrat is clearly, clearly pulling left, pulling left, and. 
and when you look at those candidates, they are all just variations of a left side of a lot of these issues, like Medicare. Because and that's like that. where we want our where, candidates where to be. But I think one of the things, um, and I sort of asked you this earlier, is mm-hmm. you know, I, my my voice was you know, who's a centrist in this? Because that you you have to pull left to win the repu- the primary. But the general I, is not left. I disagree. I disagree. I, I disagree because of the demographic change. You know, we. Yeah. You, you'll yell at me when I say this, but the reality is Hillary Clinton got three million more popular votes. The votes that are out God, there are we, If we got the rid votes, of California, it would be a very, yeah, very But we're not map. getting rid of California. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not going to happen. Those and states like not Indiana going to a popular vote. possibility of an earthquake. Yes, we have a system and, that is the Electoral College. We are a republic. Right. We are and, not a democracy. And this time... And but here, let, the folks, folks... Folks, we have... Folks, we've got too many people... We've got too many people talking over each other. We've been getting a lot of complaints, so I want to come back to the question. If you have four or five, and it may be more than that, that are bona fide liberals running of various stripes. Progressives, liberals. Progressive, well, time, liberals, yeah. progressives, <laughs> communists, whatever you want to call them. And, and Cory Booker and, let's say, Sherrod Brown are, the, are somewhat centrist. There's not a long list of centrists. Sherrod by, Brown by, is by, not a centrist. Okay, so let, let, let's okay. say that... Cory Booker's the only centrist, and everybody mm-hmm. else is left. Yeah. And they're splitting the vote. You know, does that create an opportunity for Cory Booker to run up the center? Yes, it does. But by that time in the primary, there are so many other factors that are going to come into play. And what you had said earlier, Bruce, that I was trying to talk about. Ten seconds. Someone talked on top of me. Um, was the problem is getting staff. Having the having the money raised so that you can stay in the yes. primary process, but right now, which is great for Democratic operatives, there aren't enough Democratic staffers to go around to staff all of these campaigns. On that note, we are out of time. Our thanks to our guests, Kitty Kurth, Rebecca Abraham, Stephanie Hitt, and Jeannie Ives. Thanks very much for being with us. And our thanks to Fritz Goldman and Sam Greenberg for their assistance in the production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. 
We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt debt in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv.